Welcome back to the Digital Dive Podcast, a conversation about tech. My name is Darsh. I am one of your hosts. And I'm Jacqueline. I'm your other host. In this week's episode, we're talking about the Google Tensor chip, Pixel 6 and 6 Pro, Darsh's new job, and then also the chip shortages and what that has led to in the tech space. And then supposedly Tim Cook telling Elon Musk to F off. And we're going to be telling you the story and what we think actually happened. And if you like what you hear this episode, guys, make sure to hit the follow button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, of course, and make sure that you guys get notified for every episode. And it also helps us get this show to a lot more people. So thank you. But without any further ado, roll the intro. Google always kind of launches products a little bit differently than other companies. A couple years back, the Pixel was just so heavily leaked that we kind of already knew what we were expecting. And then they created a whole promo video of all these YouTubers saying what they knew. And they made it seem as if it was not going to be that. And then they dropped the Pixel and it was literally exactly what the video alluded to. But it did create a lot of hype around the release. And this year they're doing another really out there release strategy, which is giving a couple main publications and YouTubers hands on with the Pixel before it's even been announced. And then they also posted some tweets kind of announcing it and announcing the fact that they're creating the chips for it, which is the Google Tensor chip. Yes, sir. What do you think, Darsh? Well, for one, I've been waiting for this for a while. I think we actually talked about it on a previous episode. And if you guys don't follow or haven't seen the previous episodes, go listen to them, guys. We got a ton of good insight on a lot of literally as the fall season does come around, that is going to be the tech season for this year, especially after a long pandemic and that we're still kind of going through. But it's definitely going to be very, very interesting to see. But the Tensor chip in specific is something that I was really interested in, mostly because one of the things that I've always believed and always understood. The thing that sets Apple apart from every other OEM is the fact that they're producing everything in-house. They've been working on their Apple A1, A2, A3, A14 chips for so long. Like Their silicon for their mobile devices have always been them. It's never been going to Qualcomm or anyone like that. And so when it comes to that, they always had the hardware always was unlocked. Then they also made sure that they did all the software. And then of course, everything was designed with the software and hardware in mind. So the device always looked beautiful. And I think that this year is going to be one of those years and it's going to be like that for Google now. This is finally the point where they have the full autonomy. They're creating the chip, they're creating the phone, and they're creating the OS. They're pretty much being able to now offer like future updates for as many years as they want. They can provide better hardware optimization, camera performance. Literally, there's so much that they can now do with this new SOC or in-house made silicon. Yeah. And I think also, so there's a couple like key things to know about it. The first one, and Darsh touched on this, is like when you're the one making the chip, you can decide how long to support software. So when Google in the past has put Snapdragon chips into their devices, they obviously have to coordinate with Snapdragon to decide on an amount of time that they can offer software updates. And now it's reported that Google may offer five years of software updates with the fact that now they're hosting the chip. And also one of the main selling points of iPhones and one of the reasons why Apple has in the past been able to include like less RAM than we see on Android phones and on paper, the chips don't look as powerful is because they're able to fine tune the chips and optimize it so much with the software that it ends up being excellent performance for so many years. The fact that Google is now creating the software rather is creating the hardware that should make a pretty big difference for them. And I I saw a tweet, I forget who it was by, I think it was Steve Jobs. It was like, if you're serious about software, you have to get serious about hardware, basically saying that like the two things are very much aligned. And the other thing that it will do, and who knows if it will help the consumer, but it will reduce the price for Google because if you have to negotiate with chip manufacturers, first of all, like depending on the quantity of chips that you order, the pricing is obviously different. So if Samsung comes in and orders more, maybe they're going to get a better rate. And then also you're kind of at the mercy of the supply chain of the chip manufacturer. But if you're doing it all in-house, maybe you're going to save some money and either you'll pass those savings on to the customer and create a more aggressively priced model, 
or you can reinvest that in making the next model even better. Google now has so much more autonomy in the space, which is going to provide the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro with honestly just a better overall experience. I'm genuinely really excited for it. This is a fun fact. I've never actually used a Pixel phone. Really? Like I've used like friends and stuff like that. I've never actually like tested one. And I think this year this is going to be the year that I do end up texting, not texting. Well, I mean, I'll probably be texting from the Pixel 6 and <laughs> Pixel 6 Pro. Nice save. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. But okay, breaking down the processor though, and from what we know about it, there's a couple of things that we know from the so-called Google designed SOC. So for one, we know that there's definitely going to be two things that are coming directly from Google built in-house. And with any set of processors or computing power, you're going to have multiple layers of chips that are going to build up to one big chip pretty much. So there's going to be different components coming from different places. Two of the things that we actually know that are actually coming from Google for sure. For one, is going to be a TPU for AI operations and a new Titan M2 chip for security. And then the rest, pretty much the CPU, GPU, 5G modem, all of that kind of stuff. We don't know if that's going to be built by Google in-house or if it's going to be coming and licensed from somewhere else. Regardless, this though, the processor is still very much designed by Google. It may not be necessarily Google made through and through, but that's the case with so many other phones. Like Apple used to use Sony cameras in their phones for a very long time. Samsung displays, Samsung batteries. A lot of companies will utilize other people's supply chains or other companies' supply chains to make it easier on themselves, but they'll just license out those devices or those pieces so that they can actually use them in-house for whatever they need. I also think that this shows like Google's commitment to creating other products as well. Like with Apple, obviously they've scaled up the A chips into M1 and like computer chips. So could we see Google create a tensor chip for Chromebooks or for a watch? Like it just opens up so many possibilities, the fact that they're creating their own chips. And especially also with the chip shortages, it makes a lot of sense for Google to take the control of it being in-house. So they are able to determine their own fate a little bit better. Like I've been saying that they have full autonomy here, right? And even then too, like I mentioned earlier, having the ability to both control the camera and all those things within the software, but also now within the hardware, it plays a huge role. Like some of the reports that we've been getting from interviews with Google, executives and with hands-on experiences with the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro, though they have not come out yet. A lot of those experiences have pretty much been telling us that we can expect insane camera performance that has been unseen in like Android phones and Pixels alike, just genuinely because of its ability to integrate the software with the processing power to help overall like software kind of stabilization and edits and all that kind of stuff work better. Like according to Marquez, for example, he had apparently had a hands-on experience. And I believe it was him who said that like he looked at two videos side side by side. It was like a iPhone and it was a uh, Pixel 6 Pro and you literally, it looked unreal. Both of the Pixel 6 Pro and the iPhone looked unreal. And you saw the Pixel 5 and you're like, okay, yeah, that's definitely a Pixel. Yeah. So you can definitely see the video quality difference. And I can only imagine what that camera performance is going to be like. Google has been insane with their software optimization within the camera center of everything. But actually, I think that's a perfect segue for us to just start talking about the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro. Everything we know, a little bit of a room around of everything that we can expect or that we know to expect. These devices from the pictures that we've gotten from Google, these look insane. Yeah, dude, I'm actually a really big fan of the design. So for anyone that hasn't seen it, you can like literally just look up Pixel 6 and it will come up on the internet. But you have Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro. They kind of look like the Nexus 6 Bait where they have this giant piece to house the camera basically. And then the color above that is different than the color below it. So I'm doing a terrible job describing it, but it looks really, really good. The Pixel 6 Pro has three cameras, including a telephoto with a four time optical zoom. The regular Pixel 6 has the same cameras as the Pixel 6 Pro, but no telephoto, which is kind of an interesting choice in my opinion, I guess. Maybe spatial issues they couldn't, but it kind of seems like a weird choice in my opinion not to include the telephoto. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the designs are super similar across the two. The rails are different on the Pro versus the 6 in terms of finish and material choice. I am overall like really in love with the design. I did like a Discord for some MBT subscribers to celebrate 10 million views and people were not too stoked on the design. Like I was definitely in the minority. Really? People were not that psyched about it, which I don't know, Derek. I think like you liked it too, right? It's a very beautiful design. I think it looked somewhat reminiscent of that of like a note almost. So if you can imagine 
much in a note device with a glass back and in, of course, unique and funny colors as Google's genuine brand. And then on the top, as in pixel design, a slightly different toned color and then a giant camera bar that something that you'd see on the Nexus 6P on the back. And then the rails are thin with a kind of curved display from what I can see, like a little bit, like it's at least on the six, I think the six pro it's a, it's a curved display. And then the six, it's going to be a flat display. Funny enough, actually talking about displays, the pixel six pro is supposedly supposed to have a 6.7 inch quad HD plus display with 120 Hertz refresh rate. And then the pixel six is supposed to have a 6.4 inch full HD plus screen with a 90 Hertz refresh rate. The rails that Jacqueline was talking about, the six is going to have matte finished rails. And then I think the six pro is supposed to have more glossy, like premium feeling quote unquote (laughs) rails. I imagine it's probably going to be the same. I don't think they're going to pull an Apple and do like aluminum and stainless steel. I think they're going to be the exact same. I guess it will honestly depend a lot on the pricing, but both of them have like fingerprint scanners, the fast refresh rate displays. But I think Darcy just mentioned this, but the six pro is 120 Hertz. Yeah. Also six pro screen is curved, which is another big difference. That's what I was looking at. Cause I see it. Cause I, I didn't read about it being curved, but I see in all the pictures, it looks like it's curved. The thing is you can actually tell what's the six versus the six pro. So the six actually has a smaller top above like the camera. It's a smaller top accent color. And then on the six pro, it's a bigger piece. So you can definitely tell the difference between the two of them, but they do look very, very similar. Nonetheless, I honestly am super stoked. Like, I guess we'll just have to see when they come out, but I personally am so ready to get back into tech season with all the devices and stuff. And pixel is like, I'm really excited about it this year. Like honestly, design has a lot to do with my excitement because it reminds me of the 6P, which was such an incredible device. Honestly, I know it had its issues, but it was kind of like a staple of the tech YouTube community. And it kind of feels like Google lost touch for a little bit of like not being the staple for a while. And the 6 and the 6 Pro have potential to be. So the fact that the 6P, like the Nexus 6P is going to look like the Google Pixel 6P Pro. Yeah. It boggles my mind because I remember too, like when the Nexus 5 came out, I really wanted it. I couldn't get it. The Nexus 6P came out. I immediately saved up all my money. I went and bought it. One of the videos that I think got the most views on my channel at that time, it was a Slick Wraps versus D-Brand review. I did a comparison video between the two of them. So many dislikes on that video. Holy, everyone hated it. You know, you're going to maybe have a chance for that again because Darish is back, brand new channel, and he will definitely be covering the Pixel devices. Darish, I want to just talk about this new job because I am so excited for you and I'm so excited for Capital Reviews who you're working for or with. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. Plug it. I want to hear like the behind the scenes of what that job process has been like. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jacqueline. Basically, if you guys don't remember, I've been saying for a long time that like the tech space has kind of fizzled out for me a little bit because for me to get new products and for me to like check stuff out, it's, it's very much and very hard. I don't have like the capital to go actually buy all these products and review them myself. It is a very expensive endeavor, especially at the beginning. And for myself, the channel's kind of fallen off too. So the views aren't even there. So it's harder to convince companies to send me stuff to review and I can't go out and buy all of them. So I kind of subsided from the tech side for a bit on my personal channel. And I was thinking of moving into something more lifestyle based. And that's definitely going to come down the line. I have to fully map that out and figure it out. So definitely stay tuned on my main channel. It's going to get in gears moving soon on there. But I've actually started working with Prime Capital. So Prime Capital is a social media incubator, like a content house kind of thing. And pretty much is run by this guy named Stromedy or his actual name is Kyle. Kyle is a really nice dude. He pretty much wanted to start running a tech channel. And he posted on his story, in his Instagram story, I need a tech host for a new YouTube channel. DM me with opinions or suggestions, stuff like that. And one of my buddies sent it to me. And I was immediately like, yo, this is so this is so cool. I DM'd him. I was like, yo, like I think I'm perfect for this. Like, here's my channel, here's the stuff I've been doing, here's my podcast. Like, I've been in the tech space for so long. Like, this is literally my shit. Like, this is everything that I love to do. Yeah. But like I haven't been able to do it because like it's just a lot of work just for me to do alone. But I wanted to see if this could be an opportunity. So I went, did a couple auditions, did a camera test, and it was genuinely awesome. Like the guys and everyone in the Prime Capital team, like they're all super nice and they're all super great and their content's honestly fantastic. And lo and behold, after a bit of negotiation and like working together to figure out the channel and start and like 
get some products in hand and stuff. Like we started putting out content and it's now on the Capital Reviews channel. It's going to be linked down below. It's the new channel I'll be posting on. At the very least, it's going to be once a week. Like I can guarantee at least once a week, but probably as of right now, it's looking like we're going to be putting out like, I could see us putting out close to like eight, nine videos this month at least just with the way that things have been going. Wow. We released the channel, like announced it and everything like that four days ago now, or we released it on Sunday. We're recording this on Wednesday. At this current point, the first video has like 3,200 views and then the channel itself is at 2.12K. But I do want to preface this before I do continue any further. I want to push all of you guys to go check it out for none other than the fact that we're giving away a drone on the channel to like celebrate it, the channel's fruition, the channel's start. So if you guys want to go win a DJI Air 2S, go to the Capital Reviews channel, check out my first video. And probably by the time you guys hear this, maybe my second and third video, got a lot of stuff I've been working on. Definitely go check it out, guys, and enter to win. Like it's it's an amazing drone. It's really dope. And honestly, you guys coming out to check out that channel too and like supporting me, like I'd really appreciate, you know, the digital dive fam, it's real. It's a, I saw a couple of you guys commenting in the comments for it. I lost my mind. I thought it was so cool. I was like, I, I felt like legit. I felt like I was really on the influencer route. It's really cool though. So I have a videographer I work with. His name is Alex. He does all the videography, the cinematography and all the editing as well. And then the channel itself is owned and run by Prime Capital, like this social media incubator. And I'm pretty much the host for the show. So I get to play around with new gadgets all the time. I'm going to get to work alongside these really cool creators, get opinions and get feedback and really learn how to do this stuff properly. And I'm just genuinely over the moon for it. And if any of the guys from Prime Capital are listening, like, thank you guys so much. I can't express enough how awesome this experience so far has been. And I'm only excited to see how much cooler it can go. Yeah, dude, it's been super exciting to watch. Honestly, like the first video was so freaking good. Thank you. Which is a testament to Darsh, obviously, and the entire team. Just so exciting as your co-host to watch this because Darsh and I both started our YouTube channels at the same exact time. And Darsh has been just like grinding for years. And this is like just an incredible opportunity and so well-deserved. The other crazy thing, Darsh, is that I posted a video last week. There was a comment on it that said, hey, I'm a digital dive listener. I had no idea you had a YouTube channel. That also blew my mind because like that means that people are listening to the podcast that maybe don't even know about our jobs as like YouTube creators. So if you're listening to this right now and you're shocked that I have a YouTube channel or that Darsh has a YouTube channel, you should definitely check it out because it definitely is a different take on tech. It's higher produced, faster paced, etc. And no better way to start than checking out Capital Reviews. Absolutely, guys. Definitely go check it out. Go check out Jacqueline's channel too. If you guys don't know that Jacqueline has a channel, Jacqueline's channel is awesome. It's literally been crushing it. Oh, thank you. Jacqueline doesn't get commended enough for this. I, I got to gas you up on this. For oh, one no. reason, one reason alone, like there will be weeks where Jacqueline will message me and be like, yo, I've been working like 90 hours this week. And I'm like, that is absurd. She is absolutely crushing it. She's been crushing it. She's been on the grind. Like, especially, I have to commend Jacqueline for this because when like October comes around, like Jacqueline is in full grind. Like she's up to her eyebrows in work. <laughs> she's she's just grinding out, pumping out videos. And like I've been trying to do videos for so long, and like you definitely hit burnout. You definitely do get burnt out. The fact that you can make it through like all of the fall season without like fully burning out and just like crashing, I commend you. Thank you. The one thing I feel like that does really help us keep from burning out is the amount of coffee mm. that we both do drink <laughs> in combination. Like, yo, I had like two and a half coffees today to preface. I haven't been drinking much coffee as of late. I've been taking a break and I'm buzzing right now, but I kind of want to grab another one because it is a little bit late in the day. So we are definitely going to go grab a coffee, take a little bit of a break. But also we did set a goal for this podcast to hit 150 ratings on Apple Podcasts before the end of the year. Now, I know it's a little bit of a stretch, but I would absolutely love it if we could actually hit it. We're at 24 ratings right now. So we basically need 130 more, which I think is possible. I think it's 
very possible considering how many of you guys listen to this podcast, like how many of you guys like love to support us. If you guys want to support us and you guys will actually want a chance to do a live chat with us. So if we hit this goal, we're going to do a live chat with all the digital dive listeners to answer questions and to overall just celebrate the milestone. So really help us hit that goal by rating us now while we take this quick break to get a cold brew or in my case, a nice shot of espresso. And when we come back, we are definitely going to be talking a lot more about some cool tech stuff, aka the chip shortage that's going on in tech, which is overall the tech industry. And of course, the Elon Musk and Tim Cook controversy and F-bomb situation that we definitely have to talk about. (laughs) We'll definitely be back, guys. Just grab a drink, drop a review, and we'll see you in a sec. All right, everybody, welcome back from the break. I hope you guys got something to drink. Ideally, a shot of espresso. I actually, funny enough, it was a really hot day today. It was like 30 degrees Celsius, which is like some 90 something degrees Fahrenheit. I kid you not, I literally got espresso. It's European iced coffee. Highly recommend you guys. Pretty much you get a shot of espresso, put some ice cubes in the cup before you actually have it so the espresso gets poured onto the ice cube so it immediately cools down. And then on top of that, put some milk and maybe add some like flavored syrup. I added vanilla. So it was like a iced vanilla latte. Genuinely fantastic. Highly recommend it. That sounds so good. I today had for the first time in like two years a frozen iced coffee, which is like a blended drink. Yeah, yeah. So good. We have ice caps at uh, Tim Hortons and at Aroma. I think they have it at some other places too. But if you're ever in Canada, you got to get an ice cap. Key trick, ice cap with chocolate milk. It is sweet, it is refreshing, and it is caffeinated. And now that I am caffeinated, Jacqueline, I have a question for you. Go for it. What's your thought on the chip shortage that's going on in the world right now? Perfect. Okay, so I'm just going to tell everyone the story really quickly to catch everyone up to speed. Pandemic obviously has caused a ton of different things in so many different industries, and it is affecting the tech industry in one fundamental way or a bunch of different ways. But one of the core ways is in the shortage of semiconductor chips. So basically, there's been a plethora of issues that have caused this. But the main one is that in 2020, obviously, the world shut down for a hot step there, and we're still not back to normal. It affected the supply chains, and then it also affected factories and contracts, and then there were global sanctions and a bunch of other elements that has all led to the fact that there's a more of a demand for the chips and there is a supply. Also, people were buying a lot more tech because they were home. Every company has been affected by it. Apple was affected by it, mainly the iPads. Microsoft was affected by it. Random companies too were affected by it that you wouldn't necessarily think like Tesla, of course, because they're an electric car company. And it seems like the effects are going to keep happening. Obviously, the iPhone is the major selling thing for Apple. So they got lucky this quarter where it only really affected the iPad. But now the iPhones are coming out in the fall and it's likely that it's going to impact the iPhones as well. So it's still kind of looming over tech and it seems like it could be this article from The Verge is speculating that it could be until like 2023, one person said. Other people are a bit more optimistic and think that it could be over in 2021. Not to get super COVID-y on the podcast, but because of like the new variants and stuff, it seems like we may be heading into another rough spot of the pandemic and that could obviously continue to affect supply chains. It seems like companies are still hitting their earnings mark, if not exceeding them, but just in different ways because they aren't able to produce the devices that they want to because of the chip shortages. It's actually, it's absurd to me because it affects more than just like the tech industry, right? Like you don't realize how much things have like chips in them, like everything from like your vacuum to your toaster, to your car, like even Tesla's reporting, like they ha- they've had to make workarounds now. Like they're putting out software updates pretty much to ultimately like reroute or rework the software to work with those chips, with any chips that they can get their hands on because it's that much in supply and to meet the demand of a lot of people right now, especially as the world 
world is starting to open up in a lot of places, a lot of people are getting back into the market and like buying things, spending money and like finding a lot of tech and finding a lot of just everything is going to just be a huge issue moving forward. I'm a little optimistic. I think that definitely if we can get a wrap or get a handle on everything COVID, hopefully that will help cut down the delay in the supply chain. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Like there isn't much we can do other than I guess just right now wait. I know. And this is like obviously like a much less important thing in the grand scheme of things. But I guess for a lot of companies, like this is a huge deal and it affects like what products they can release and how much supply they have with the product. Darsh, you want to talk a little bit about what Elon has said about it? Because Elon Musk has actually been quoted talking a little bit about how it affects Tesla. And then Darsh was telling me off podcast about the used car market. I feel like that would be an interesting thing to discuss. Yeah. So pretty much Elon Musk came out with a pretty blunt statement that kind of caused for a bit of concern for the company and just for, I guess, a lot of people. And he pretty much just said the global chip shortage situation remains quite serious. And he pretty much was highlighting difficulty that Tesla has been experiencing getting the chips that they're needing to power like essential parts of the cars, like specifically the airbags and the seatbelt modules, which pretty much like renders the car useless. If you don't have those, they won't be street legal. You can't take them out. In situations like that, it, it comes down to very much like they're trying to do everything they can to find alternatives so that they can still meet the demand that they're facing, especially, you know, like Tesla was in a pretty rough spot and like they even tried selling Apple and we'll talk about that in the next topic. But Tesla has definitely been working to try to remain proper within their supply chain, but other companies haven't had the same luck. So within the used car market, for example, or the car market in a general sense, to buy a brand new car right now is actually proving to be quite difficult. If you try to looking for like very common or very standard cars, like if you want to go buy a Honda Civic right now, you'd probably be able to find one, but you went to go buy like a Nissan maybe, or like something that's not as, I guess they're all really well funded, but there's basically a lot of new cars you're unable to buy because of the chip shortage, which has resulted in a lot of people now switching to a used car market to try to buy used cars. And now buying used cars is one of the hardest things you can do because you're not going to be able to find the trims or the style of car that you're going to want all the time. Like there's going to be, it's going to be a lot harder to find because of the fact that cars are ultimately computers, especially now with like a lot of them going to like AI and stuff like that for blind spot monitoring and lane keep assist and lane change assist and all these different features. They've definitely become more and more like computers and getting the car engine to communicate with the computers in the car to do all these certain things at different situations. You need to have these chips. I can only imagine how many chips are in each car. It's definitely affecting more than just the tech market. It's affecting everything right now. Like I said, toasters, man. <laughs> Who knew if you need a toaster? Like, can you get a to I don't know. Do you want a to? I don't know. Like, there's a lot that does get impacted by this. And it's going to be rough to see how the next couple of months, even the next year ago with this chip shortage in uh, the back burner and kind of holding everyone down. But thankfully, you know, like we just mentioned, Google and Apple both create their own in-house silicons for their products moving forward. Like if Google goes and decides to bring this into their tablet lineup or anything else, pretty much the earbuds, anything like that, like I hope that this will result in a very beneficial situation for Google and Apple customers. But for everyone else, now nah, you're screwed. I feel like let's just talk about the Tim Cook and Apple thing. I'll give a brief summary of it because there's been so much news in the last week. And then let's talk about it. So basically, for anyone that doesn't know, a bombshell report came out. Basically, the report alleges that Tim Cook and Elon Musk get on the phone and Elon is trying to get Apple to buy Tesla because Tesla is one tenth of the value that it currently is now. They're struggling with Model 3 production. It's a bad time for them. They get on the phone and Tim Cook is extremely interested. And Elon says, I want to be CEO. Tim thinks that he's saying, I want to be CEO of Tesla. So Tim's like, all right, no problem. And then Elon's like, no, I want to be CEO of Apple. And Tim Cook says, F off. 
and hangs up the phone. And that's what the report is alleging. And it's in like this bombshell book and of course goes viral on Twitter because everyone loves drama. Elon responds to it basically saying, not only is the book boring, but that never happened. I never spoke to Tim Cook on the phone. Literally, I pitched them to buy Tesla, but we never talked about terms or anything. Tim Cook was asked about it before this came out. And he has said that he never had a conversation with Elon, but then a photo of them came out where they were sitting together at a table. So people are like, have you never had a conversation with him? Like what's true and what's not true? But it seems like they both vehemently denied that this ever happened. It's kind of one of those things where we'll never know for sure. But the person that reported this has obviously stirred up a ton of drama. I mean, that is the the 2021 way of life. And, uh, you know, that's how you get famous. And, uh, <laughs> I say this kind of sarcastically in a, a little bit of a satirical manner, but at the same time, like it is very true. I feel like a lot of people will go to controversy to try to like enact or spark some kind of reaction. And in this situation, it definitely did like bring two names together, like Elon Musk and Tim Cook, like two of the highest paid CEOs in the world, having them kind of pit against each other or like have them kind of like put in this like a little bit of a scandal. But literally Elon Musk tweeted out, he's like, Cook and I have never spoken or written to each other ever, period. <laughs> and then he like explained more like, I've heard this story before, but never to a point where Tim Cook would have said F you to Elon Musk. Like I've heard the story of like Elon Musk reaching out to Apple to see if they'd be interested in acquiring Tesla, especially considering the fact that Apple has been looking into autonomous vehicles for a very long time. And like Tesla already had the groundwork laid out with the Tesla Model S that already had autopilot. So it would have made sense ultimately if they were able to strike some kind of deal. Thankfully they didn't because Elon Musk is now worth more. He's one of the richest people in the world in terms of overall net worth overall, like through and through, like I wouldn't ever imagine two huge business executives like that, like resorting to cussing each other out over the phone. (laughs) If you're like that kind of rich, you could probably sue the other one for verbal assault. No way. Enough dumb things go to court. If someone were to say that to Elon Musk, like he seems like a pretty chill dude, but like I imagine if someone said that to Tim Cook, Tim Cook would be like, all right, like I'm going to bury you in lawsuits over the next like five years. I don't know about all that, maybe, but for sure, like I would be mad at the journalist and if it didn't happen like I could see someone suing them for defamation because making up a story is not okay but who knows like both of them were asked for a comment supposedly when the story was getting published and neither of them commented I would think they would like try to like clear their name I don't know I mean honestly it's crazy enough that it could have happened but who knows the main takeaway here is that there was a point in time when it seemed likely that Tesla could be bought by Apple or that they weren't doing so well and they were looking for investors and now they are really excelling it seems But also, like, I feel like there isn't really a day that goes by without Tesla in the news cycle for something. Like, the yoke was another thing that has been super popular. Darsh and I talked a little bit about that on an earlier episode of the podcast. But Darsh, I've actually been, like, looking a lot into it because Marquez made a full first impressions video. Yeah. Seems like the yoke is just not the move with the touch controls. Yeah, like, I'm not even going to front on it. Like, I I think it's pretty dumb. Like, everyone has been so accustomed to using a steering wheel that has a top on it. Like, don't get me wrong. It looks really cool. It looks really cool. But functionality-wise, like, I, I don't see where that would kind of work out. Like, it forces you to kind of like hold each side of the steering wheel at all times, which I mean is good if you're like, a, if you want to very, very much be like that safe, very safe driver. But at the same time, also like for people who are very comfortable using one hand or like say you're on like the highway and you're kind of just cruising in a straight line, like I don't keep up my hands on the wheel for that. I'll, I'll keep one hand on the wheel and I'll, I'll just keep myself going straight. Like I'll make sure that I'm proper. And then if I need to, like I keep my second hand like a pretty close distance so I can just grab on if I need it, but I don't need to have both hands on. It's so weird in terms of how it's shaped and how 
how it's designed that you end up probably like pressing so many different features that you don't actually need. It's going to be absurd to see that in the Model X. Like Model S kind of makes sense, but the Model X, oh no, 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 no. I don't want to see that. That's like a minivan or like an S, like a huge SUV with like a spaceship type steering wheel. I feel like that's just like a, a, a little interesting, but it makes turning more annoying too. Oh, absolutely. I don't have a problem, honestly, like with it, like making it so like you drive with your hands in like proper driver's ed position as much, but I feel like turning is actually less safe with it. And then the touch controls, Marquez was saying you accidentally hit all the time in order to hit the horn. You have to like hit a teeny button that feels less safe to me. I honestly feel like replacing analog buttons with digital buttons is not the move in a car. Muscle memory is much more reliable when it's like a physical button that you press. Oh, but also just then like also just changing the steering wheel. Like when I was learning how to drive, my driving instructor always told me when you're taking a turn, it's hand over hand. Yeah. I can only imagine some rich kid is going to pull up with a Tesla Model S Plaid (laughs) edition to his driver's test. And they're going to be like hand over hand. I can't do that. My steering wheel doesn't have a top. Like, And they're going to fail him. I imagine they probably like figure something else. But at the same time, like there has to be a proper way to drive the car. I feel like that top part of the steering wheel has been so integrated into everyone's muscle memory. It's literally going to be like learning to drive again. Like it'd be a different aspect of having to learn to drive, but it's going to be like having to learn to drive again. Totally. I 100% agree. Also, just feel like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like I know that innovation is like trying things and stuff. The yoke just feels dumb to me to like not even to front. Like it just, it seems stupid. It feels like an unnecessary change. The other wheel is safe. It makes a lot more sense. So I'm not too stoked on that. That's something that I did not like this week. But something I did like this week was Billie Eilish's new album. And for anyone new to the podcast, in this segment of the podcast, Stuff We Like This Week, Darsh and I talk about content or things that we're really digging this week so you can get to know us a little bit better and maybe get a recommendation or two. The album, so freaking good. It's her sophomore album. Production, song lyrics, storytelling, everything about it is incredible. I am like a huge fan of her now. I have like a hit or miss relationship with Billie Eilish when it comes to like her music. I like some of the stuff. I don't love all of it. Definitely like some of her newest stuff has definitely been hitting with me. So I definitely have to check that out. Like one of the songs, it was uh, Lost Cause. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that one. I love that song. Dude, have you checked out the title track, Happier Than Ever? I haven't, not yet, no. I, I, need, to, I need to listen to the album. Literally after this podcast, put it on. Halfway through, there's a complete like tone and production change mind-blowing you got to check it out i want to hear what you think about it absolutely I'll, I'll definitely take a look but for my first stuff you like this week i'm gonna do another shameless plug for myself capital reviews guys brand new channel on youtube <laughs> it's definitely gonna be a spot for all your tech news all that kind of jazz so definitely go check it out it's growing at a pretty decent rate right now like i definitely see it doing well so i hope you guys see what i see in it and go check it out we have a ton of content coming really soon literally like we've already finished working on the second video that one's going to be coming out soon as of recording this which is like a week before you guys are going to hear this so by the time you guys hear this it's probably going to be episode three coming out very, very soon. If not on Monday, I think that will be the goal. Dude, I'm going to do a self plug for my second one too. The new, the limited one card just dropped. So if you want to check that out, it is like a city landscape with blue hour. Luke and I are super stoked on it. And it also corresponds to the August logo. So there are like eight references to hidden things. And if you want to check that out, you can go to mbtmerch.com and we'll also try to link it in the show notes if we remember. Definitely, definitely looks dope. Thank you. All right. What's, what's another one from you? Another one for me is going to be music. It's an artist, actually. His name is B. Young. I've heard a couple of his songs and I started listening to his latest album and I actually really like it. There's a couple of songs in it, especially that like kind of hit with me really nicely. And it's definitely like a cool, like different kind of vibe. It's more vibey than it is like upbeat. It's really nice. I I like it. I'd highly recommend it. He has a couple of other songs that may have caught your attention in the past. One's called 079 Me. It was like a huge summer song, I think two years ago. And then another one, Catch Me Outside, which I think I actually used as a stuff we like this week. I think you did. I kind of remember that. Yeah, because I 
I really liked that song. And I went and I saw on my Discover page on Spotify that he came out with the album. I was like, what? And I went and checked it out immediately. So highly recommend it, guys. Go check it out. That's a great one. Last one for this week is also music related. It's Ty Verdes, who I talked about last week in regards to the Colin Samir show. After his interview, where he basically talks about going from a full-time Verizon employee to a rock star, I started listening to his music and I am pretty much in love with his album, TV. The song Real World is just like so good. And I feel like some of the lyrics, like the one-liners are just so smart and things that once you hear them, you're like, damn, like that was really well said and it makes a lot of sense, but you wouldn't think about making the analogy. So that's my last one for this week. All right. Well, I think my last one for this week is actually going to be a Netflix show and it's probably the world's most hyped up show for this summer, Outer Banks season two. What is this about? Can you give me like a brief like summary of the show? Because I've been hearing about it everywhere. Okay. So last summer they came out with it. It was supposed to be like an indie. Like, I don't know if it's supposed to be indie, but it was, wasn't expected to be as big as it was. And a lot of the cast were pretty much saying like they were very surprised at the feedback they'd gotten and like all the, like the recognition after it released because it literally blew up. It's pretty much about like a group of kids who live on this island in, I think it's North Carolina or South Carolina called Outer Banks. It's like an island with two sides, the kooks and the pogues. Kooks are pretty much like the rich kids and the pogues are like the kids that like the working class. It's pretty much just a story, like an adventure story. It's a treasure hunt overall. It's really, really cool. I really enjoyed the first season. I was genuinely in love with it. And then the second season just came out. Contrary to a lot of people, I found it pretty good. I really liked it. None other than just the fact that I really do enjoy seeing character development in shows and movies. Anytime I see character development and I can like point it out and I see it and I appreciate it and I can relate to it, I fall in love with it. So definitely guys go check out Capital. No, I was going to say Capital Reviews again. <laughs> go check out Outer Banks. I'm sorry guys. It's been a long, it's like 8.30 right now. Guys. I'm like pretty exhausted, but literally guys go check out Outer Banks season two. It was genuinely mind blowing to me. It's definitely going on a kind of a Riverdale route, but like- Oh no, the story fell apart? No, no, no. The story's still there. The story's still there. I mean like Riverdale in the sense, it feels like it's going more in like a different way. Like I feel like they're trying to do a lot with it. I guess we'll just wait and see. Like the end of the season was absurd. So we'll definitely have to cross our fingers that season three is going to come out sometime soon. On that note, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Definitely check out Outer Banks if you want a good show. Austin Garner also recommended it to me. Go check out Darsh's new YouTube channel, Capital Reviews. But if you only do one thing from this episode, please help us hit our 150 rating goal. Like if you made it to this point, you probably liked the episode, I hope. So hit the follow button if you want to so you get notified of the next episode. And then if you want to leave a rating, literally one star, or five stars, whatever, just help us get those ratings. Really just help get the podcast to more people. Thank you so much to Luke for our incredible editing and to Adil Constantine for our incredible intro and outro music. Exactly. Thank you guys so much, so much again for listening. Really appreciate it. Everything that we mentioned this episode that we are referencing to will hopefully be linked in the show notes down below. And if it doesn't, tweet us. Tell us. I would love to hear if we don't do it because half the time we do forget. So definitely do let us know. But with that all being said, guys, thank you so much for listening. Once again, if you're here to the end of the episode, thank you. Really appreciate it. But we will see you again every Monday, 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. And it'll always be tweeted or it'll just be available on our Buzzsprout website. So definitely go check that out, guys. See you guys next week.